0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Live Bold and Boss Up. It is yours truly again, back at it again with Dr. Jerry Smith talking about lucid dreaming. If you didn't get enough last episode, check out this episode part two.
1: But let's talk about sleep now and why, what is it about sleep? And you think about it, a lot of people think, this is this cracks me up. So there's a, I'm amazed at how many people think that sleep Beyond RAM and dreaming, um, there's no value in it. And, and, and if we, and th- again, this could be something completely, this could be another five hours of just yeah. fun. <laughs> I, I'm a big, first of all, I'm a big believer in hacking your brain, right? This is a, this is a electrochemical computer based on a series of of, of neural clusters that some of which we talked about, the amygdala, which is the fear place and the basal ganglia, which says, hey, go, no, go. It's the one that actually says, I need need to do something, right? We have the cortexes. We talked about the frontal cortex, which is the lateral frontal cortex, which is the executive function. And then the most sort of interesting one, the orbital frontal cortex, which injects emotions into those things, which allows you then to paint your neurons with acetylcholine, which then allows you to change your brain at night, right? So, we, we got all that. Hacking that electrochemical computer up there is probably one of the most interesting things to structurally do in life because it really changes who you are. One of the best places to play with the brain is at night in REM sleep when you're dreaming. Um, have have either of you two ever had a lucid dream where you where you actually are going yeah you're like hey i love that a, this I'm is agreeing. a dream right
0: i can do whatever i want mm-hmm. yes hey, i've done that
1: a few times i'm superman i'm going to go fly around i i have a, a once you so Back in the day, 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 um, I was uh, I was fortunate enough to end my career in the in the in the Navy uh, in a special lab space where they did a lot of sort of interesting programs, dolphin programs, cognitive programs, things like that. And there was this um, the Army had this program called Project uh, uh, Stargate, which I had some friends that in, were in the Army responsible, and that was that was using the using brain theory extrasensory perceptions to look out into the world. You want to take a look at what this is, just look up Dr. Targ and the work that he did with um, uh, SRI, Stanford Research Institute, back in the the 80s and 90s uh, with the CIA. It's all public knowledge now. It's pretty brilliant stuff. He actually talks a lot about that work. The Navy tried to do some of that. It was pretty cool. I was not very effective at it. What the day we did do, which was really cool, was Project Gateway Experience, which is all about the inside of the brain, which is how can you hack the inside of the brain to do some pretty cool things? One of the things that we were taught in this uh in this program, me as a, a young lieutenant at the end of my lieutenant uh, commander at that time at the end of my career working with a psychologist, was lucid dreaming how do you how do you go from the Average lucid dreams are typically one or two in a hundred, right? Out of every, every hundred days of dreaming that you can, re, you dream most of the time. You just don't recall them. Out of every hundred or so, about two of them are, are lucid and they're lucid for a brief time. You, you actually get startled. It's like, shit, I'm in a dream and you startle yourself out of it. How do you make that one in five, right? And, have, and then if you can make them one in five, how do you use them? What would you do if you knew every night when you went to bed, out of the five days, seven days a week, that one of those nights, you were going to be able to control your... What would you do with that time? Well, the Navy taught us Mm -hmm. how to structure rooms, right, in our brain that we worked in. So, for me, I have a place that I go to and I structure... It's a structured room where I work. And it's... um, Now, it can... If you do too much of this, it's detrimental, right? Because you're, you're not allowing the brain to do what it naturally wants to do, um, which is clean itself up. But at the same time, you're hacking into this sleep period where you can actually ch- achieve things that you otherwise couldn't achieve. I have a, I have a little house on Mars when I'm really, really stressed out and I know I'm stressed out and I can get into this sort of REM lucid dream, lucid being conscious dreaming. So, uh, a dreaming state is a, is a unconscious, subconscious process, right? We have three layers of the brain. We have the conscious layer. I believe that this is real, right? right? right. You have to believe that because this, you know, there are some people that this may not be real. Maybe this is not real for me. So you have a conscious period. You have a subconscious process, which is concurrently operating with your conscious brain, right? There are things in the back of I don't have to, I don't have to tell myself to breathe, right? Right. I don't have to tell myself to blink. I don't have to tell myself to, 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 to walk or, or any of that sort of stuff. That's all subconscious. And then you have unconscious uh, areas of the brain, which are really interesting. It's sort of like the Marianas trench of the mind, right? It's, these are, these are deep areas that are unstructured that we don't know a lot about the subconscious brain, our subconscious activities, our ability to to do certain things like natural language processing, seeing, hearing, tasting, feeling, that sort of thing. We're all pretty much aware of our prefrontal cortex, our lateral thinking stuff around executive functions. We're all, we're we're getting better at that. But the conscious stuff, when we go to sleep at night, when when our eyes close, that conscious stuff, that level drops. And we are now letting our subconscious activities take over for that area here. Here's the neat thing between this, this conscious. Now there's no conscious brain and subconscious brain, right? right. But between the conscious st- constructs and the subconscious, we call this the limen, the L I M N area. And it's like a, it's like an imaginary wall that prevents our conscious mind from actually looking into the subconscious world. You think about your dreams, think about your nightmares, Right. Mm-hmm. And, and being exposed to those, they're pretty weird, aren't they? I mean, Always. I'm not talking about weird dreams. I'm talking about nightmare dreams, right. like really strange ones. That's a peek into that subconscious world. Our subconscious mind is not organized for conscious thinking. It is just not. And so we have this wall, this... Cognitive wall that prevents the barrier. So at night when we go to sleep, conscious drops down, subconscious kicks in, and dreaming, which is a subconscious activity, part of the acetylcholine, you know, neuromodulator activities out of our brain, bleed over into that sub into that conscious mind, right during that deep deep uh, rapid eye movement period in there, and that's why we can remember the most important dreams that we remember are the ones with a lot of emotions, Mm -hmm. right? The emotional. We don't, we don't remember, you know, a a 10th of what is going on in our brain during those, those periods, but the emotional ones, like my, I have a stress dream. Do you guys have stress dreams? Yeah. Yeah. Do you you have a stress dream that you can share? Some people have stress. Say again,
0: like a recurring, like I have a dream that I always dream about and it's very stressful, but it's like, it, I dream about it often. Yep. I don't know if that's what you're
1: talking about, but I here's a, here's two common stress dreams, and I'll give you mine. Uh, common one is you you show up to class and you're not prepared. No. Oh, okay. Right. That I mean everybody. I mean I I'm, right. uh, there are others. Uh, that's an important one. The second one is typically that you're you're in the middle of a vast open uh, area and there are things spinning around and you have to constantly jump. Right. That's another common one. Hmm. For me, coming from the Navy, I can always tell when I'm stressed out is. I catch myself being out in the open out of uniform uh-huh. my hat's on wrong i'm missing things my brass isn't colored right and everybody's looking <laughs> right. and it's like oh shit! and and right then and there i've got to the spot where i go i am in a dream right mm-hmm. now here's the neat thing about lucid dreaming is once you recognize you're in a dream to your point we can change those things mm-hmm. so every night uh, when I dream and I catch myself in periods of stress, that is an alert for me. Oh, there are devices, by the way, that you can use at night. Um, and there's a lot of uh, peer-reviewed science behind the devices. For example, the flashing red light that you can train yourself for. I actually um, I have some... Um, uh, uh, headbands that I wear that measure my state of awareness, that sort of thing. Those are all. Those are all external stimuli that allows you to to know whether or not you're in a dream state and what level you are, whether or not what state of consciousness you're in. And then if you're in this sort of subconscious state, to give you a physical indication, flashing red light that you're there. We used the flashing red light in the Navy so that when we were in the subconscious state, we would see this overwhelming red light flashing, which told us, hey, you're probably in a dream, right? And then you would learn how to craft that. So for me, I've gotten to the spot where anytime I'm in a stress dream, I can now physically change it. I actually unwind it. I take it back to the stress point, change those events, and yeah. then go forward again. So yeah. lucid dreaming is a very cool thing. Why, why do I bring that up for yeah. affirmations? If you're interested in proving yourself... Spending time during this dream cycle on your affirmations is an area where you can actually impact that neuroplasticity of the brain and change your behaviors, right? Because now you've hacked your brain. You can't do it one out of five times. Maybe you can do it one out of 20 times. And maybe you can do what what a lot of people do, which is to set an alarm on my Apple Watch. I have an alarm that's set for 1 a.m and it vibrates on my on my wrists. So, if I'm in a really good state, I go to bed, it's nine o'clock, my eyes close. I'm in that slow wave of sleep. I finally get into a state around one o'clock, I feel it vibrate, I wake up, shallow wake. And when I go back to sleep, I tell myself, I will lose a dream. I will lose a dream. And you're already tired, right? I mean, you're in bed. It's like when you roll over and take a glass of water, you don't have to go through the whole cycle again to go to sleep. You're going back to sleep. When you are aware that you're conscious, I will lucid dream Bring you know, as you're going back to that subconscious role, get you right into an interesting dream state. Every night, one o'clock, vibrates. If I feel it, it's cool. If I don't feel it, I'm probably pretty tired and I've right. just blown through in that area. Okay. So that's sort of the, the, the world, you know, waking up in the morning, covering the three things, working on your, your ultradarian cycles through the day till around two or three o'clock, Taking that sort of uh, deep rest, non-sleep period, 30 minutes of your life just to get vertical, relax, let the chemicals rebalance in your system, uh, focusing, um, getting in the afternoon, reducing the light cycle, unwinding the brain. Oh, by the way, between that second half, you shouldn't be, this is not a time to go out and run your 8K, right? This is not a time for you to exercise. Exercise should occur during that first period.
0: Darn, I was going to go um, running this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay.
1: Right. I mean, we all get used to it, but if you want to tune your body, you want to get it done prior to that, that mm. second half of that day. Right. Mm. If you're, if you wake up at six, typically it's one or two o'clock after which is a second half, you kind of want to get it done before that period so that you can do that deep rest, non-sleep period, which then takes you into the second part, reducing, you're reducing the amount of light and energy in your body. Carbohydrates are good, Put it, you know, it's the tryptophan of the body. Um, and then um, you're you're working towards that seven, eight o'clock and weaning yourself off the electronics, the stimulants, the electrical stimulants that you, is getting your brain to think. You're generally focusing on ideas. Nine o'clock, you're in bed horizontal, meditating on an idea, asleep. One o'clock, your wristwatch vibrates. You wake up, roll over, go into a deep sleep saying, I want a lucid dream. And boom. You're in that lucid dreaming period and you're like going what do I do now? Wash, rinse, and repeat seven days a week.
0: That's amazing. No, I, it's been a while since I've done the lucid dream and known, you know, known I was dreaming and was able to do stuff. So I'll have to try that.
1: It's, you know, we, we spend, we spend so much of our life focusing on the wake periods of our life, right? Oh, what am I going to do today? Am I going to get my things done? And then finally, at the end of the day, you, what do we all say? Oh, I'm just tired. Mm -hmm. And you go to sleep. And, and a lot of people think that that, Five, six, seven, eight-hour period is just non-productive time. Now, we know it's important, right? We, we, but we don't, we don't control it's important. And what I ask people to do is if you think it's really important to get sleep, address the issue of why is it important. And then ask yourself, what could you do during that period to get more value out of it or enhance the value out of it? If it's important enough to do, it's important for us to measure it. And it's important for us to manage it, right, out of that process. And, and now what are you doing? You're managing the 24-hour day cycle, going back to affirmations. When I wake up in the morning, saying the words, I am a good person, is does nothing until that night if, I've, if I have engaged. Now, what happens is during the daytime when I'm in a stressful situation, and I get, I get a trigger that wants to set me backwards like, oh, you know, I'm a loser, right? Oh, I failed, right? The, the, you, you fall, you cognitively fall to the least level of preparedness. That least level of preparedness are the things that we fundamentally believe about ourselves. If you fundamentally believe you're a bad person, when a bad event happens, you tumble down the emotional cycle to the point where you are a bad person. Your brain goes, does your brain know you're not a bad person? Of course not. Right? It, 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 there, is, there is nothing in your brain that tells me that this is real. I can touch it. That's a dream. In a dream, I can touch things. I feel things in a dream. What's the difference between, again, assuming, of course, this is real. What's the difference between this and not real? The, everything that we see here is the electrochemical in nature. Again, it's those neuromodulators we talked about, dopamine, epinephrine, you know, serotonin, acetylcholine, that sort of thing. What's the difference in there is, is our belief in, that, in those things, right? So I believe these things are real. And so, so in that particular case, if you, if you don't You don't have these affirmations. I am a good person, strong visual, emotional context. When you fall off of that, when you're, when you're, it's like taking a broom on the end of a stick and turning it upside down, putting it out there, you can balance it for a second, right? It'll balance just for a second. As soon as that little micro breeze comes in, it tips over, right? That's the human life, right? We are, as much as we're, we're really flexible, we're resilient in life we can fall over, we can fall over in a heartbeat mentally, right? It's the things that the rubber bumpers in our life that supports us. So what I challenge folks to do is, is, um is raise that level of preparedness. Just don't say you're a good person. Visualize that, find that emotional state in life that you think was important to you. Associate that feeling, that emotion with the statement. And as you build through, you can go things. Now, there are certain affirmations we know you shouldn't be doing. Like, for example, this is controversial. I want a million dollars. That's less an affirmation and more a statement of desire right out of that particular place. Telling my brain, I want a million dollars and visualizing a million dollars and visualizing me sitting on a yacht in the middle of the ocean with that million dollars as an example, it does have an impact to the brain. You will, those same constructs will work. But when, when you get, when you have a permutation, a per, a, a, a disturbance, in your force, in your mind that centers you off and you fall down, your body going, I want a million dollars compared to I am a good person. Which one are you going to crash through quicker in order to support you? You're going to crash the million because it doesn't do anything for you. I am a good person is a reminder of the organic good in the human body and the mind that we have. And therefore, there are certain affirmations that are stronger than other affirmations, but all affirmations can work, right?
0: Okay. No, I love that point about putting the feeling, the emotion behind the statement, because, you know, we were talking about that a couple episodes ago where it's important for affirmations, but this really dives in deeper to share like, well, here's one. Yeah. And
1: here's one that you two ladies probably know. If you take two organic pieces of tissue and bring them together, right. For a brief second, is that important? No, we call that a kiss, but I bet you, I can ask each and every person who's you two and everybody listening do you remember your first kiss? Oh, yeah. Right? You remember <laughs> why? It was an event, two organic pieces of tissue coming together.
0: You're so there was scientific em- with this. Right. There was
1: an emotion associated, right? First of all, you have never yeah. done it before. I'm talking to your first one. You've yeah. never done that before. Right. And in there, you had this dopamine dump, this, this epinephrine sort of tension, you know, you're like, Oh, I've never done this before. It's a little risky here. Will it happen? All those things. And the acetylcholine goes, Hey, this is an event, <laughs> I'm I'm dumping a, a bucket full of, of <laughs> yeah. acetylcholine like on this one. five buckets and of paint
0: for that one.
1: Exactly. <laughs> songs. There are certain songs in life you'll listen to and you'll go, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Remember that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's why, by the way, when we get into the bad side of life, are you, know, seeing a, you know, being a victim of violence, seeing violence, whether or not what we call, there's a thing called vicarious tra- We know uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, right? You're, you're you're, you're a witness or a participant in some sort of traumatic event in your life. The same thing happens, by the way. Same thing. I, I will put a placeholder on the side for folks. There are therapies that remove the emotion from the memory. You'll never get rid of the memory, right? Mm-hmm. In a car crash, tumble over, you see mom and dad pass away you're never going to get rid of that. If that memory you recall, you're never going to get it, but there are techniques to remove the emotion from that memory. So you can live with the memory right, Mm -hmm. in that particular space, in that particular area there. But when we think about music and stuff like that, we can be taking, that's all part of this process in there, which is pretty cool. And that's why affirmations, again, just can't say them. You got to feel them. And you got to visualize them And that first kiss, that first dance are all sort of common things that we all have in common that we can go back to no matter how many years ago uh, they are. I can remember the first one. And um, it's just part of life, right? That you have brain never forgets.
0: Right. No, that's interesting that cool you stuff. About music too, Jerry, because um, you, you kind of have to be careful, like what kind of lyrics you're singing to or listening to. Right. Because that could have an effect.
1: Well, there's an old saying, right? My mom taught me that I eventually found out to be more true than not. You are the average of the five closest people around you, right? And this isn't physical people. I mean, I tell my kids that all the time. It isn't the physical people around you. It could be something as simple as a book. Because when you read and you get immersed in a story, right? The brain doesn't know that that story is real or not real. When I run, I'm a runner, I run around eight miles every day religiously. I don't care what the weather conditions. And if it's too cold, I go to the gym and run, God forbid, on a treadmill Mm when I'm an outdoor runner. When I'm in my zone, I am in my head into a story that's going on. and, And an hour later, it goes away. So that story, those people in that story that I'm listening to are part of the five closest people around my cognitive brain, right? You're right about lyrics, right? Um, if you're constantly singing in your head and feeling good uh, about beating somebody or killing somebody or doing something violent, you be, your brain becomes more accustomed to those areas. Again, it's auto association, right? There's an event, there's an emotion and there's a visualization that become auto associated with each other. Mm -hmm. So that later on, when the visualization comes, the feeling, the emotion of that event reoccurs, and it allows you to do that event more seamlessly. It, it's what we call duration, process, and outcome (DPOs) in the cognitive brain. Is humans are, by the way, humans are unique. We're the only species that I'm aware of today, and I don't think anything has changed in like the last six months or so. Only species that actually thinks about its future, right? I can think about. This afternoon, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, I can think about, I can plan for those things, right? We're the only species that that does this DPO. I can actually say for the next five minutes duration, I'm going to think about my emails and my outcome is to reduce my in-basket. Chimpanzees, brilliant uh, uh, electrochemical brain structure, um, dolphins, elephants. By the way, elephants, they have no more mass structure than the human brain right? They don't have this ability. So, that makes us unique in this process. So, if you're using that time to associate these visualizations and feelings with some events, right? As soon as you visualize those things again, you're more inclined to take a step with what? Take a step with your basal ganglia, which says, go do something in that space. It's Mm -hmm. auto-associative. You are more naturally inclined. In the afternoon, as soon as, as soon as my one event is done, I begin to think about putting my running shoes on, taking my clothes off, putting my running shoes on, getting my AirPods in and running. I think about that. I get a dopamine dump. My body is preconditioned to an event that hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. I'm feeling that stuff. Right. And then when I do the run, I have a post. We call them bookending stuff. Whole different story. But you're right. <laughs> music, music, reading, hanging out with people, Well, it's interesting
0: um, that you said, like, you are the sum of the five closest people to you, because I always assumed it was physical people. And I didn't even think about the books that you read or maybe the music that you listen to. I never thought of that. So that's a really important tip.
1: I listen. I love rap. Um, I, I, I. Was fortunate enough to spend some time with in the rap industry in a previous life, helping do videos and, con- and converting what was called booty music uh-huh. to if you listen to rap, it is it can be very dark. Right. Uh, the stories that are told are often from the John Forte, friend of mine, John Forte. What is his story? Six years in prison. It right. right, comes out and he has a unique rap style of singing and rap and telling his story right. about coming coming uh, to to uh, an understanding in his life. Um, but there are certain kinds of music that you, if you consume more and more, you become more and more, inc- again, more and more inclined to do that. I mm. even have to take it in moderation. Right. I love Tom McDonald. Right. I mean, me too. He's I mean,
0: awesome. I
1: mean, he's, he's t- totally awesome. Right. But yeah. even his music, as much as I love it, I have to take a step back from it because I, I ask myself is, is that the way I want my body to respond, right, to that, even though I love it? And the right. answer is no, I don't. So, I take it to moderate. Ice cream. I love ice cream. Would oh, I no. eat a gallon that of ice makes cream makes every freaking night if it had zero calories? You bet your life I would, right? But I don't do it because I don't want to expand into, a, you know, a large person. Again, everything in moderation, including. Everything in moderation. And including the the concepts that surround you, the people that surround you, right? Right. And then, and then I always ask people: Is you know what, what was the one or two things that you think you want to learn from the five closest people around you today? Visualize it, put some emotion to it. So when you go to sleep tonight, it's painted and it's recovered and put permanently into your system. Or when you wake up in the, when you wake up at night and you remember a dream, you know the dream diaries; That's those right. are important. So when you write, you're doing this. You're actually telling your brain, "Hey, that thing that you were doing with me." One of the purposes of dream is to raise to the surface of our of our consciousness things that are going on that that the subconscious believes kind of be important Now this is a little pseudoscience in here there's a, not a lot of structured research around this sort of thing but there's a belief system that when things like this surface, it's your brain trying to figure out, is this important, right? There's some people that believe that. And that's why when we write them down and we write, oh, I remember, yeah, that was, you're telling your brain this was important. So the next time it knows how to better process, there's some, there's some research that says, as we write down the things that we remember in our brain from our dreams, that those things become more ingrained in our system. The act of writing is a neural dynamic process that, that coats um, acetylcholine onto the events because it's a it's a physical act of doing something. Jerry, this Listen, is it, all amazing. It, here's one thing I would just tell everybody, anybody out there, if you're out there and you're going, I'm bored. Call me because <laughs> you, you have a brain, and if all you do is spend a half an hour researching just your brain, it's a rabbit hole. You, it's, a, it's a rabbit hole about this big that your body will fit through. And when you get into that rabbit hole and you start meeting Alice and her gang down there and you start discovering all this sort of stuff, you just, uh, like me, there are a lot of people that go, life isn't exciting because of you. Life is exciting because of me and my understanding of what this thing is doing and how I can control aspects of it to make me better. Yeah. less lonely, more happy, less searching, more fulfilled, right? Yeah. And 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 recognizing how all those words are coupled to the chemicals in the brain that process the way that it does, once you learn those things, the world becomes so different. I just, you know, I I get frustrated when I hear young people Say, you know, they're bored, life doesn't have meaning, you know, they don't know what to do. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh, what I wouldn't be to be your age, right? right? Knowing what I know right,
2: today. But
1: that's just something to think about, right? And I and I really mean that. If you're at that spot in life where um I, I'm involved in a lot of mental health areas, especially around suicide, suicide prevention. One of the things that we know most in suicide prevention is that people with animals are, are when, they, when they feel like they want to commit suicide are less likely to commit suicide when the animal's involved in their life. Why? Because they're taking care of something, right? They feel like they're taking, they, they don't feel necessarily loved. They feel like they're loving something. People will commit suicide if they feel loved. People will often not commit suicide if they're caring for other things, right and so having animals in people's lives important so giving people a purpose and showing them what that purpose is is super important in this sort of world the mental world was that useful today Uh it was so
0: so interesting like I I could talk to you for hours on this and I feel like there's so much good stuff
1: I say let's talk let's go do more of this stuff right I I challenge everybody pick uh, pick lucid dreaming
0: and that go, well, how so do
1: you hard. lucid dream? And just go read that stuff. And then when you come across a concept, and this is how you grow, when you come across any concept, and you, let's just start with lucid dreaming. And you read it and say, what is that? Go read about it. Mm-hmm. Spend that day's purpose isn't to get better at lucid dreaming. That day's purpose is to get better at the thing that you don't understand that is part of the lucid dreaming. That's what I mean by a rabbit hole. It mm-hmm. will then take you. It will take you. For example, acetylcholine. Yeah. Go find out what that is. What parts of the brain does it? Now, you're going to start off by going, these words are big. These words I don't know. Uh, I should have paid attention in biology and right, anatomy exactly. class, right? <laughs> right? But the the adult brain, assuming, of course, you don't have any physical abnormalities, is has neuroplasticities. It's not like an, a, a child's brain. When you're between zero and, let's just say, 22, 23 years old, especially when you're in your, in your up to your teens your brain is like an early stage of jello man it it can that's the stage you learn all the languages that's the stage that's constantly changing in that process for adults we still can do it It just requires a little bit more work requires a little bit and and especially if and this is a message for those who may be substance use disorder victims aka addicts out there for those who don't know um uh, I've been involved with, uh, um, uh, as a parent of recovering, uh, heroin addicts for, 10 years now. So, spend a lot of time with people who are addicted to substances in there. Um, those kind of substances don't help you, right? In, in the sense of you think they do, um, they, they they certainly um, have a way to influence that dopamine in your brain, right? Then immediately once you take something, you get this epinephrine kicker in there that this, again, tension kicker that says I need to go get more of it. Afterwards. You get in this cycle in that process. Chemicals in general don't help the brain right now. Now I'm not talking pharmaceutically from a, uh, from a um, um, sociological or a psychological perspective. Certainly there are disorders in the world, depressions in the world that we know there are certain chemicals that will help modulate the brain better because and stabilize. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about recreational use of this stuff. If you really want to grow your brain, if you want it to be healthy uh, and be as neuroplastic changeable as it can, Start with a good day, get that rest in the afternoon, balance carbos and proteins, turn off the lights and music, or turn off the lights and electronics at night, focus on a subject, hack the brain in your dreams, and you watch, your world's going to change. This is awesome. Amazing.
0: Thank, Thank you so, so much. That was, that was great, Barry. Absolutely. No problem. So glad it. to have you on here.
1: Yes. I, 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 has- I hope... I hope those that are listening find some value in it, mm-hmm. um, and and for those that don't find value in it, I'd ask you to give me a call, right? Yeah. Just uh, just just tell me why, why you're not important.
0: Right? And you have a lot of good articles out there on LinkedIn, and if anyone has questions, they can always email us at loveboldandboss at gmail.com And we got to do this again. This yeah,
1: absolutely. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you too later on. All right. Yeah. Until
0: next time, guys. Love and boss up.
2: This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Now we can say, where were you when you found out that Tom Brady retired and where were you when he unretired and he retired again and unretired? So that's where we are now. Tom Brady is a buccaneer uh, for one more year. Uh, I'll be honest with you, if you listen to the Beckos and Retro show, which is on every day or Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 on 95.3 WDAE. I've been saying the whole time he's not done. OK, it just doesn't work that way. It just it's not that easy. We're talking about something that Tom Brady loves more than anything. OK, it's what fuels him in the morning. If you take that away, you're not giving it away. Actually, you're giving it away. Nobody's taking away you're just giving it away. It was taken away from me. Okay, I love football to death. I wish I could play today. The money's great. Uh, everything about football is beautiful. But at my age, obviously, I can't do it. It was taken away from me. He gave it up. He gave it up. It doesn't work that way, people. You work your whole life to get there and get that opportunity. So Tom Brady's back. The Bucks are back. The Bucks went from twenty to one uh, to, to win the Super Bowl to ten to one and. One minute. And that's Tom Brady. Uh, Ryan Jensen re-signed. From what I hear, he called Ryan Jensen up immediately and says, don't sign that. Don't go anywhere else. I'm coming back. So Ryan Jensen's coming back. Gronk's probably not too far behind. Now we're talking about players like Dominick Sue. Maybe JPP don't know. All these guys are maybe were up in the air and didn't know where they're going to come back. Now nah, they're going to come back for one last run. Who is going to not want to be part of the last hurrah of Tom Brady?
1: In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.